Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to another episode of the Dogland Podcast. It is another victory pod because today the Cleveland Browns beat the Chicago Bears in a thrilling come from behind victory, twenty to seventeen. I couldn't do it on my own, Jack. Man, I tell you what, I don't know how the Browns keep on pulling out these games, but this has sure been one special season to remember so far. Yeah, and I feel like uh, almost four hours later, my heart is still trying to get back into rhythm uh, after that last play, essentially the entire fourth quarter, but that last play for sure, because there was that moment where it was, we're going to win. Oh, crap, we're going to lose to, oh, my God, we just won uh, in such thrilling fashion. This whole season's felt like that. Uh Jim Donovan said it best. They're dressed like the cardiac kids. They're playing like the cardiac kids. And here we are, Anthony. We're sitting nine and five and still in pretty good shape to be heading back to the playoffs. Yeah, you can make a point that they're even uh, giving us more cardiac arrest than the cardiac kids because they have set a record so far this season with five uh, go-ahead scores uh, in the final moments of the game and uh, with five so far this year. So you could make an argument that we're getting more of a heart attack than those, those Browns teams in the eighties gave us. Oh, Oh, without question. Like it's, uh, I think it was Jake Charter that tweeted out friend of the show, uh, franchise record. Like you said, five come from behind victories or five go ahead victories in the final, like minute of the game. Yeah. It, it's quite thrilling. Like obviously neither one of us were around for the cardiac kids, but we've heard the stories uh, we've read books about them seeing you know the film documentaries on them like if this is anything close to what it was in uh the night that 1980 season uh we know how that ended hopefully it ends differently for us but yeah this has been quite the thrill i, I said it on the last episode this is definitely towards the top of my favorite brown seasons um and this might actually be the top one now like 2020 was thrilling um but obviously you know with covid and everything that was going on didn't get the full on home experience uh but this year has been far and away the best i think we're we're six and one now seven and one at home i know we got one more game to go so, against the, seven, seven and one at home okay so that's like i think that's tied for the best record since 99 i think 07 the browns were seven and one at home i'll have to go back and look but we got one more home game to go against the jets right after christmas but yeah damn the home crowd brought it and the team brought it as well all the way to the very end it was uh, quite another thrilling game today. It, you know, you mentioned 2020. That there might be only one thing that would top that, it, it, and maybe advancing because we beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs, and that's just like a special thing that you know we might not get for for a while. But if somehow we played the Baltimore Ravens and Joe Flacco beats the Ravens in the playoffs, that would be easily top it. Uh, I, I I hope that happens at some point. Uh, we get to see that because I think that would just be an incredible matchup and incredible story. But first things first, we still have three more games to go here. And when we talk about this game, let's start at the end because usually, you know, we start at the beginning, which makes most logical sense. But it was a come from behind victory for the Browns. And in that fourth quarter, you know, the Browns were down by 10 uh, going into the quarter. And this was the first time, Jack, uh, since the Brian Hoyer comeback against Tennessee that they went into the fourth quarter uh, by ten, by being down 10 or more points and coming out with the victory. They had lost 49 straight games uh, being down that. And Joe Flacco, fourth quarter, 
11 to 13, 212 yards and a touchdown in one quarter. He almost had more passing yards in the fourth quarter than the Bears did in the entire game. They had like 230, 240 yards in the entire game. So it was an incredible finish uh, for Joe Flacco, who started out uh, with those three interceptions. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, the third quarter or it was late in the third quarter um, that, you know, enters the last interception that he threw. It, it just felt like it wasn't one, it wasn't going to be our day. Like the Browns just weren't, um, they weren't clicking on offense, you know, defensively they were holding uh, the bears with everything they could, but the offense just couldn't get going. Obviously, you know, another injury happened, which we'll talk about uh, Flacco just making mistakes, throwing, um, creating turnovers just did not seem like it was going to be the Browns day. And then lo and behold, in the fourth quarter, you know, the defense made some more stops, put us in position. And then it was just like Joe Flacco decided to flip the switch and get back to that elite status. He was nearly a decade ago, uh, just started clicking with all the receivers, whether it was Cooper or Najoku, uh, just, just finding a way to get the Browns in a position to win, uh, hit, Goodwin on a bomb for 57 yards, finally getting to see Goodwin's ability to stretch in the field, get the quarterback connection with him was finally paying off. It it almost clicked a couple times with uh, Watson. It just couldn't get it together, but they, it just seemed like Flacco will helped will this team back to victory. You know, miles said it post game. There was never a doubt uh, that this team was going to come back and win because they believe in Joe Flacco, the defense. We know what they bring to the table. It was just trying to find a way to win. And that's, I think, this team's motto. Like, And you said it on social media. There's no quit in this team. They just continue to find a way to win. And and Joe shook off all those turnovers and was just straight dominant in that fourth quarter and helped the Browns get into a position to not only tie the game, but get them in a position for uh, Dustin Hopkins to do his thing and help us uh, achieve victory. You know, late in the season, in, in, in a lot of the years that we've been watching Browns football, we haven't had, like, good uh, games to really watch and care about. And But we've had some, like, quarterbacks who play well, you know, like Thad Lewis, you know, the, the legend of Thad Lewis for a little bit. Where Where's Joe Flacco up against this? Because for him to come in here in these last three games, yes, he lost the one against – uh, the Rams, but these last two games, uh, pulling out a victory, um, you know, two, two wins at Cleveland Brown stadium. And yes, all he does is win at Cleveland Brown stadium. Uh, I don't care what people say about that tweet, but, uh, you know, he started to, to build up upon some legend status here, especially if he can get the Browns to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it hasn't been pretty that that's definitely for sure. Um, he's turned the ball over, but you know, he's gotten the offense looking smoother. He, he's, you know, the vertical passing game has been good. Uh, you know, he's connecting with these receivers so quickly. Um, you know, we'll talk about Cooper and Najoku, especially Najoku, the way Najoku has really elevated his game, uh, these last couple of weeks, but where does, where does Flacco go live with the Cleveland Browns quarterback since 99? Anthony, he might be top five already. I mean, that's crazy to say, obviously, you know, Tim couch had a success in the early two thousands. Uh, Derek Anderson had that magical season in 20 uh, or 2007. 
Hoyer had that magical season in 2014 before things started to unravel because of the front office and Johnny, uh, obviously Baker Mayfield, regardless of what people say, he he's definitely up there because of what he was able to do uh, during his run, whether, you know, the good for sure, the end of 2018, the 2020 season, Flacco at like Ken Carmen put it best. And we talked about it on the last episode, there is Flacco fever in this town. I think, and you said it, if Joe Flacco takes his team to the playoffs, that number 15 Jersey will be seen all over Northeast Ohio. That dude, as much as uh, heartbreak and tormenting he gave us during his 10 years as the Ravens quarterback. If he takes this team with all the injuries and everything that's happened this season to the playoffs. And then if he wins a game or two, he might go down as one of the best Browns quarterbacks ever. And that's a guy that was working out three times a week, doing just tossing the ball with his brother uh, and then watching all the NFL games on Sundays to coming off the street. And in a couple of weeks, having the Browns in a position to win a playoff, to go to the playoffs, potentially win a playoff game and what is going to be a tight AFC uh, battle for the AFC crown. This is going to be the stuff of legend, man. We always talk about, this is like, this is how movies are made. Like if Joe Flacco takes Browns to the playoffs, Anthony, there, there's going to be a documentary because it, what a wild ride uh, he went on during his Ravens career and everything else to this point. And it's just going to be chaos, man. Do they, do they still make the ESPN 30 for thirties? Cause I haven't seen one in a while, at least like they've been promoting it. Um, but you know, if there ever was one, <coughs> excuse me. Um, if there ever was one, um, you know, about this season, this definitely would, would certainly have the opportunity to. And, you know, it's kind of fallen on him because they have not been able to get the running game going. All the injuries to the offensive line, and, you know, we suffered another one today. Uh, hopefully Joel gets uh, back soon. Um, but all the injuries to the offensive line, and obviously, you know, Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, not the same as, as Nick Chubb back there. And so it's kind of been reliant upon Joe to go out there and, and throw the ball, you know, that first quarter, the weather was pretty nasty. Thankfully it kind of uh, lightened up a little bit and the, the rain stopped. Uh, it, it was kind of funny because in the fourth quarter, the sun came out, we saw blue skies and the Browns came back. So it, it was kind of like a, a, a scene from a movie kind of like you were mentioning there, but um, you know, it, it's kind of fallen upon him to, will this Browns offense forward because the running game just hasn't been there. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you talk about the offensive line, like you're the, the current offensive line is Jerron Christian, who I think was on the practice squad. Uh, at, you got, uh, who is it? Who was in it? Michael Dunn because Joe Botonio went out. Michael Dunn's been with the team for a long time. I think he'd probably be better if he actually had a week's full of practice be actually being prepared. Nick Harris, who was primarily the fullback this year, but has to, had to step in and be center because uh, Ethan Postick had the stinger last week and it and, lingered all. For, and he had uh, to leave for and he had to leave for a few plays. So he had uh, Luke Whippler in there. Yeah, yeah. So you had Luke Whippler, seventh round pick out of Ohio State in there. Uh, you had Wyatt Teller, who's been you know the one constant, obviously, and then James Hudson, who you know, no offense to James Hudson, but he. There needs to be a change there with the swing tackle this offseason. Uh, he has been a major liability. So you have four fifths of your offensive line out. 
Uh, the running game obviously has been very up and down and consistent without Nick Chubb. Uh, Kareem's not the same guy. Jerome Ford has shown flashes, but he can't be a, consi- a consistent guy. They'd love to get Pierre Strong the ball, but he doesn't have reliable hands. So the running game hasn't been uh, consistent the last month or so. The run blocking obviously does no help, but yeah, you like you hate to see Joe Flacco have to go out there and throw the ball 45 times a game, but it's just finding a way Anthony. And that's, I think that's been the biggest thing. I think like when you talk about the 2023 Browns, I think the motto is just going to be find a way. And he's had to throw, I think probably close to 130 times in the three starts he's already had, but he's also had close to a thousand yards and he can still sling it. Like he's thrown the deep ball a couple times. Obviously the one to good win today. He's taken his shots down the field. He has no problem slinging that ball around. He could still do it at 38 years old. He said he feels like a kid out there. Uh, anybody still hasn't heard that post-game speech from last week. You know, you would love to find some kind of balance here down the stretch, but with the offensive line in shambles, I think this is probably going to be the formula from here on in. It's just a matter of can Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt come up with a game plan to, you know, make opposing defenses kind of have to think a little bit just because teams know the running game's not there. So at some point here down the stretch, opposing defenses are probably going to try to key in on that passing game. It's just coming to come down to can Joe Flacco go out there and execute limit the turnovers. Cause he's had four interceptions here, um, four or five, I think it's at least four, but if he can find a way to limit the turnovers, still slinging around to the uh, key skill guys, I think this, this formula can work just because at the end of the day, you still need, a good solid quarterback out there to try to win the Super Bowl, along with an elite defense. But th- I think this could work. But they got to find something to make opposing defenses uh, have to second guess because right now they're probably just going to key in on that passing game because the running game is just not a threat at this point. Well, the the passing game certainly has taken off, and today. It- <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, still trying to get over to this cold and everything, so I apologize for coughing. But um, today, David Njoku, Amari Cooper both had over 100 yards receiving. Uh, that is the first time a Browns duo has had 100 yards receiving in a game since Josh Gordon and Jordan Cameron back in 2013. So 10 years uh, since they did that. And I, t- I tell you what, Jack, um, you know we know what Amari Cooper can do, and he's been a pro for a very long time. But David Njoku has taken that extra step this year with the routes that he runs, the way he's able to get open. And once he gets into the open field, I feel like if you're on the opposing defense, you don't want to see number 85 come barreling down at you because he is an angry runner and he will definitely get the extra yards. And that that, uh, run that he had on... Uh, 3rd and 15, uh, when they kicked the game, when he field goal, that, that throw and catch that he had, and then the, the run after that catch, that, that was pretty magical uh, to, to get down to the 21-yard 20 yard line of, of the Bears. You know, for him to make that play and, and to get all those yards after the catch on 3rd and 15 to get all the way down there in a position to where the Browns could kick the field goal, you know, that to me is definitely the play of this game. I have one defensive play that, that probably might top it, but – that play by David Njoku um, is probably the, the, the top play today. Uh, and then you can't ignore Amari Cooper's you know long touchdown uh, that he had on what 
what was just a, a seed from Joe Flacco in between three defenders, and then Cooper tiptoed up the sideline into the end zone from there. Yeah, I mean, both guys had incredible games. Uh, you know, Anthony, we've been doing this podcast as long as David Njoku's been in the league. We started in 2017, right about the time David Njoku got drafted by the Browns. We all saw the potential of him. It was just going to take some time for him to get there and be one of these top tight ends. And Anthony, I think he's finally here. Um, I tweeted it out after the game. This is his career year, career high in receptions, career high in receiving yards. Now a career high in touchdowns. The last two games, Anthony, he has really started to break that door down and be among the top tight ends in football. Finally, um, the last two games, 16 catches, 195 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, and he has been just dominating opposing defenses. Uh, Joe Flacco has been very comfortable with him. I think Najoku has been consistent all season long. Uh, you know, like I said, 69 catches. Nice. So, and he's been a consistent target for whoever the quarterback's been. But today, like you said, those clutch catches um, on the game winning drive and just he's opposing he's he's running angry like you said he won the angry runs award a couple weeks ago from uh kyle brandon good morning football it just seems like Najoku is finally i don't know if he has the confidence in himself or the fact that the team has the confidence in him now the quarterback has the confidence in him but he's just been consistent he's been that go-to target he's finally putting it all together it took him seven years but it, it it's finally starting to emerge that Najoku is one of the top tight ends in football. You know, the Browns paid him like one last year and he's finally breaking through. And it's great to see because a lot of us always believed in him. Yes, he has the drops, but we always knew the freakish athlete that Najoku was and is he was finally going to put it all together. He is a complete tight end now. Um, maybe he gets some Pro Bowl love this year. Uh, but he's just really emerging now as a go-to weapon in this offense. And he's going to, be, and he's only 27. So he's still got years of potential left to maybe potentially break some records that Ozzie Newsom had. He's slowly climbing up the statistical categories all time for Browns receivers. So it, he's just starting to put it all together. And it's great to see because a lot of us always believed in him. And now it's finally starting to break through and, you talked about that touchdown by Amari Cooper. There, there's the screenshot and shout out to Sean, AKA the cardiac kid on Twitter. One of the Browns Twitter OGs. He, he tweeted the ball or the screenshot. Flight when Flacco's throwing the ball and you talked about how there was in between three Chicago defenders. And I think a lot of us thought, Oh man, here comes another turnover by Flacco late in the game. And all of a sudden Amari Cooper just emerges through holds on to the sidelines and then just walks it in for a touchdown. And it was just an amazing throw by Flacco, but amazing by Cooper to be able to go out there and get that ball and be able to cut up field and score a touchdown. Those were such clutch plays down the stretch by Cooper and Najoku to put the Browns in a position to win. You know, that's what, you know, any of the quarterbacks in this Brown offense needs, but it's good that Flacco has two established veterans and Cooper and Najoku that he can rely on. Obviously, you know, Tillman made some plays today. Elijah Morris made some plays the last couple of weeks. Hopefully this receiving core is starting to gel at the right time because Flacco needs these guys when the running game's not so effective that he can trust in to get to, if he's throwing the ball downfield, that those guys are going to be able to catch it and make consistent plays. And hopefully 
turn them into points for sure. Can I can I propose a new uh, nickname for Nijoku if he keeps this up? Let's hear it. All right, so we all know he's a chief. If he keeps this up, I am fully prepared to promote him to the chief dog. I, I like it. I like it. All right, so hopefully he can keep it up, and then we could uh, we could get that rolling because uh, I think that uh, you know maybe maybe we need to get a couple shirts or something uh, made for that one. But um, you know we'll see if uh, he can keep it up, and hopefully you know as the season progresses here over these last three games that uh, he, him and then the rest of the receiving core can keep uh, uh, you know gelling with Joe Flacco and, and able to do a good job. Uh, you know we. Briefly mentioned the injury, uh, the the big key one, uh, Joel Batonio going out uh, with a back injury. Uh, he said after the, the game that his back completely locked up. Uh, he doesn't know like what caused it, but he is going to get treatment for it. Hopefully the Browns can have him back uh, sooner rather than later uh, because you did mention that, you know, right now four-fifths of their starting offensive line that they started their season with is not there. Uh, the only one left is Wyatt Teller at the moment. And, you know, Jack, I think that's kind of what also makes this a little bit more incredible is that this offensive line, you know, is probably the heart and soul of this team, you know, just the way with, with how they run the football and, you know, to have all these injuries, you know, this season on the O-line, it, it, uh, it's pretty special that they're still able to uh, have success. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing um, that they've been able to, you know, like you said, find a way to win, sustain success despite all the injuries. Um, obviously, this one was tough today, obviously, because Batonio has been around. It's his 10th year. He's, he's seen it all literally in Cleveland uh, from the highest to highest to the lowest to lows. Uh, you do worry about the injury for sure. You know, he, t- he told reporters, uh, Kimberly Martin from ESPN is the one that reported it, that he said he couldn't move. Uh and he said his back locked up. Hopefully it's just like a muscle spasm of some kind. Obviously we'll know more uh, on Monday, obviously after we're done recording, but you just hope it's not the worst. Uh, this hasn't been a good year for Batonio. Uh, he's just been, just had a really down year. Hasn't been the same player. Had to get his knee scoped early in the season. And as you know, he's, he's getting older and obviously this is year 10, you know, it creeps into my mind and I'm sure other Browns play our fans minds could this be it for Joel? Like, obviously it's been year 10. He's dealt with his fair share of injuries. Uh, we know what Joe Thomas had to go through. We didn't know it until after his career was over. So we know Joel's one of those guys that has, has gutted through a lot, has dealt with a lot. You know, you hope this isn't the end for him. Um, but at the same time, he's had a great career, great career. He's got a great case to go into the hall of fame. But at the same time, you hope like this is a good era of Browns football. They're winning. You know, you know, Joel wants to be a part of the winning. So you hope it's not the end. But at the same time, you just wonder if all their injuries are starting to catch up on them. But you just got to hope for the best and hope that he'll be out there next Sunday against Houston and what's going to be a pivotal matchup. But at the same time, this is why we kept Michael Dunn around. You know, he started in a playoff game for us, played well for us. Uh, and it, it's been that next man up mentality. He didn't have a good game today, but I expect him to be ready to go next week. If Joel can't go, it's always been the next man up. We said it on the last episode. They're not going to quit just because of another key injury. It, it's going to hurt, but at the same time, they got to keep rolling. You just got to hope that Posick's back as well to help solidify some kind of, uh, you know, 
consistency on that offensive line. If him and Teller are out there and you still, you got two fifths of the offensive line, then you feel good about it. But you know, Batonio has obviously been the heart and soul of that line since Joel Thomas retired. You just kind of hope for the best that he's going to be okay. Yeah. Hopefully uh, Joel can get uh, back out there uh, next week. If, if not some, some other point, uh, you know, in the season, uh, getting as many guys back for the old line, you know, for a potential playoff push would be huge, but um, you know, we'll see how that goes. On the other side of the ball, Jack, uh, the defense continues to play uh, to play really well. Um, you know, you can make an argument that they really only gave, only gave up three points today. Uh, you know, given Chicago the ball on a one yard line, it took Chicago like eight eight snaps or eight times ready for play to to punch it into the end zone from the one yard line. Uh, you know, with all the penalties and whatnot there. Um, and, and at that point, they still almost, you know, force a field goal in that situation. But this defense continues to be um, just just incredible. I, I kind of, you know, chuckle to myself a little bit because they have a, a counter for third down stops uh, that they put uh, every time the Browns get one. And, you know, before the um, – when the Browns had their first one, they had, like, their uh, 71st stop. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know if they're going to get to 100. You know, they still have one more, you know, game against the Jets, uh, one more home game. And lo and behold, they hold the Bears to four of 18 on third down. Um, and I tell you what, when, when you're able to get off the field on third down, um, and that's kudos to all the defensive players, when you're able to do that, it definitely gives you a chance. Yeah, this defense, you know, they have – they haven't been the sexiest all season. You know, they are, they have started to uptick more and turn the ball over. But the fact that they're just getting three and outs consistently, just getting three and outs, you know, forcing the opposing team to, to punt the ball and give our offense another opportunity to go out there and put points on the board. That's huge. What they've been doing all season. Um, like I said, the, uh, the turnovers are starting to uptick more, uh, but and that's and you look at all the injuries that have happened over there. They lost Grant Delpit. They lost Okoronkwo. Uh, they lost Juan Thornhill's been out. You know Denzel just came back. Uh, but he was kind of limited this week. It's always been next man up. Like these guys keep making plays. Uh, Ronnie Hickman and DeAnthony Bell out there were huge uh, in key moments. Alex Wright was huge today. Uh, you know making a big play. Greg Newsom's been playing pretty good ball here these last couple of weeks. I think after the Denver game, he's kind of shook it off and has played, has made some really big plays down the stretch. Cam Mitchell, like all these guys are stepping up and making big plays when needed. Uh, you know, our draft picks this year, Isaiah McGuire and Siaki Ika were out there today. They don't show up on the box score, but you know, Ika made a nice little uh, flash play today. I'm sure McGuire will with more experience being out there with guys like miles and Zadarius to help them show the way down the stretch here because it looks like Okoronkwo is going to be out the rest of the year. But, you know, it's this defense, you know, it starts with Jim Schwartz. It trickles down with the veteran leadership. But you see in that nice blend, Anthony, of our draft picks and the veterans that they've brought in in free agency or trades, it's just a good mix of, you know, the veterans and then the youth that are hopefully take over for those veterans when they move on, uh, whether in free agency or whatnot. Uh, the defense just continues to dominate. Like, obviously, they've given up some points here the last couple of weeks, but 
they're still one of the most dominant defenses in the league. And they hit you on all three levels today. And we're so key and critical to keeping this team in and giving the offense a chance to help us win. Yeah. You, you mentioned a lot of guys there and two of those guys you mentioned, uh, kind of were my defensive plays in the game. Uh, first off, you know, and these were both later on. The one was, uh, Alex Wright, uh, sniffing out that end around and just, and, you know, getting that tackle for loss. The other one was Cam Mitchell, uh, just chipping up Justin Fields, he landed short on that fourth yeah. down. Uh, that was a, a incredible play by him um, for for him to to be able to do that. And, and you know that was inches away. You know the Bears hold on to that ball, and, and you know who knows what happens. But the play that he made on that was was pretty special. And you know it, you're right; it's a mix of the young guys, it's a mix of the old guys. It just seems like. No matter, and, and, you know, we've had this talk with Bill Callahan, you know, no matter who is in there, you know, the offensive line sees them play well, but it seems like Jack so far with all these different injuries on the defense that uh, Jim Schwartz has this defense ready to play. You know, the Anthony Bell, Ronnie Hickman back there, I I couldn't tell you, you know, where the drop-off was today. You know, I, I know, you know, Justin Fields maybe isn't the, the greatest deep passer, but you know, those two guys really contributed uh, today. And it just seems like, you know, whoever they decided to insert knows their job. They know what to do and um, are able to, to execute the defensive game plan and, you know, really not have much of a drop off. Yeah. I mean, Kimberly Martin shouted out Brandon Lynch, the Browns defensive backs coach after the game. He's been doing a great job with these guys, whether it's the corners uh, you know, we talk about Martin Emerson a lot, Greg Newsom, uh, Cam Mitchell's coming along really nicely as a, a fifth round pick this year. Uh, Khalif Halazi made good plays at times uh, the last couple of weeks. Deron Harmon for being a veteran who was on the streets like a month or so ago, whenever they signed for the practice squad, uh, he inserted himself nice today, had a nice pass breakup. Uh, then you talk about the safeties, Hickman undrafted rookie this year. D'Anthony Bell was an undrafted rookie last year. They've had to step in and play Hickman probably more so than the team wanted to because of injuries made nice plays today. D'Anthony Bell happened to be in the right place at the right time when uh, Darnell Mooney had the ball deflect or had the ball in his hands, somehow deflected off his feet and D'Anthony Bell uh, picked him off in the end zone. It's just good coaching whether it's Jim Schwartz as the coordinator down to the position coaches, they're getting these guys ready to do their jobs. Uh, I don't remember who the linebacker coach is, but the way that he has helped develop Jeremiah Usukormo, who I wanted to talk about, who just consistently is a threat in the backfield uh, and has made strides this year, big strides. We didn't know how he was going to fit in Jim Schwartz's defense, but that dude has 18 tackles for loss, which I think is top five in the league, maybe even number one in the league now. Uh, made that interception on the Hail Mary at the end of the first half, which was a questionable call by the Bears to go for that instead of a 55-yard field goal. Um, but JOK has been an absolute ball, uh, a baller this year. And this is where it's going to get interesting in the offseason, Anthony, because he is entering the final year of his contract. Andrew Barry in the front office doesn't like to pay linebackers, but JOK has been balling. And that's going to be, I think, one of the key topics this offseason. Do the Browns kind of break their trend of paying linebackers and find a way to keep JOK 
around long-term because, Anthony, it just seems like he's on the verge of becoming a superstar at the linebacker position. Yeah, I see, it, it will be an interesting conversation because I don't know if he's like a traditional linebacker, you know? Right, yeah, I, he does it all. If Right, and I think that makes him very valuable and I think, that, you know, definitely has the opportunity to be paid uh, handsomely so uh, in that case. And I, I think the Browns will do everything they can uh, to try and keep him because he is so valuable and can do so many different things. He's just not locked into just being a linebacker. Um, you mentioned a linebacker coach. I looked it up really quick. Jason, Jason Tarver uh, is a yeah. linebacker coach. So. That was one of the, that was one of the holdovers from the, uh, from the Joe Woods staff. And he's actually, he's been doing great work, whether it's JOK, Sione Takitaki, a walk, whoever they get in there. It seems like, you know, the linebackers aren't the greatest, but they do their job. Like they even made Mac Wilson look decent. Like they've made they. I don't know if actually Tarver was here when Mac Wilson was here, but the linebacker room has been con- consistent at doing their job under the Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski era. What, whoever's been the coordinator, like the linebackers have been good, not great, but good. Yeah. And you know, you, you had to have Taki Taki step up today because Anthony Walker, you know, was a yep. late, was a late scratch. So, you know, it, it just kind of goes back to the point earlier, no matter who has stepped in there on defense, this coaching staff has, uh, <laughs> excuse me, has them ready to play. And, you know, that I think speaks volumes to Jim Schwartz. It speaks volumes to Kevin Stefanski. It's certainly, you know, good enough reason for Stefanski to be in the running for coach of the year, I think, again, um, with all all these injuries and what they've been able to do. So, you know, as long as they can keep it up over these last few weeks and get into the playoffs, who who knows what happens. Um, Last thing before we look at the, the... you mentioned the playoffs. We'll look at the playoff picture because I think we're at a point, Jack, to where we could really start looking at it and, and seeing where things are. Dustin Hawkins, you know, another game-winning field goal, uh, this time with 34 seconds remaining. Um, you know, the Bears, they get the ball back, and we know what happened after that. But, uh, you know, continues to do his job, do his job well, and continues to be completely reliable, and that's all we need. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about how close he is to the single season point record. Um, Rod Bloom, friend of the show, we've been on his show, Anthony. He tweeted just all during the recording. He's Hopkins scored eight points today. So now he's at 121 points for the season. He is five points away from Jim Brown's single season record of 126 points. So theoretically next week in Houston, uh, Dustin Hopkins could break the single season record for points scored by a Browns player, but yeah, he just continues to be uh, consistent, dominant, does his job, uh, had no worries today when he lined up for that game winning kick that it wasn't going to go through. It did hook to the right a little bit at the end, but I still wasn't concerned. Hopkins has been great. I say it's the trade that keeps on giving. Um, I know him and Brandon Aubrey are like neck and neck for best kicker. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the all pro votes go at the end of the year, because Hopkins is as deserving as Brandon Aubrey and uh, the way the Cowboys look today, maybe Hopkins uh, maybe garnered some more attention because of the way he's been going this year for the Browns. Yeah. It, it's been wonderful to have him. Uh, I would shudder to think what it would be like if we didn't have Dustin Hopkins this season, um, you know, with some of the experiences we've had over the last few years with various kickers. So yeah, uh, for him to be out there and do such a great job, you know, it, it's gonna. It's quite special, especially if you're close to breaking a record by Jim Brown. Uh, and we talked about that last week. To have 
126 points, that means he scored 21 touchdowns in that season. So that's just absolutely ridiculous and crazy um, for, for one guy to have in, in one season. So let's talk about the playoff picture. Uh, as well, we, I, w- I was actually going to say, before we talk about the playoff picture, do you want to do the mayor of Dogland? That is a good call. And I, of course, didn't have it prepared. So I will stall for two seconds. I, I didn't have it in the notes. So my apologies, brother. No, that's all right. That's all right. Let me pull it up here over on our X account at the Dogland. Be sure to give that a follow. So we uh, put four options up there as we always do when the Browns win for the mayor of Dogland. We put Joe Flacco, David Njoku, JOK, and Kevin Stefanski uh, made the list. And so far, we have 118 votes in, Jack. And so far, um, David Njoku is leading the way with 46%, Kevin Stefanski 20%. Joe Flacco, 17%, and then JOK with 15%. So who did you vote for for this week's Mayor of Dogland? So shout out to Alex Hale, our draft expert, our friend. He said Kevin Stefanski needs to be on the poll. I know several times over the last couple of years, it's been warranted in our group chat, people saying put Stefanski in the poll. And I said, no, let's stick it. To, let's keep it with the players. But we had to make an exception because of the way Stefanski has been leading this team, has been coaching this team. He was my pick this week, even though you can make a case for the other three, especially Najoku, the, the way he's been coming on the last couple of weeks. But I voted Stefanski. Uh, you know, I had a guy that's been a Stefanski hater uh, the last several weeks, a good friend of mine, uh, well, all throughout the season. And he finally said, you know what? He's the perfect coach for this team. Uh you know, despite everything, he gets these boys ready and they always seem to find a way to win. And I, I've been trying to tell people that all the Stefan skaters, like you can, you can hate some of his play calling. You can hate some of the way he he's handled things, but he's the right guy for this job, for this city, for this team. He He's the right man for this job. And he just continues to rank up wins next week. Anthony, if, if the Browns beat the Texans, he ties Bill Belichick on the franchise uh, win list for head coaches. I mean, that's saying something people hated Belichick in the nineties when he was here and there's still Stefanski haters out there. He's the right coach for this job. He should be the long-term coach for this team. And he was my vote for the mayor of Dogland this week. I went with Joe Flacco, uh, which, you know, both of us are, aren't picking with the majority here, but uh, to have 212 yards in the fourth quarter, lead the Browns back. Uh, from being 10 down uh, for the first time in, in 10 years um, to almost having a 1,000 passing yards in your first three games uh, with the new team. I, I think I definitely caught the, the Flacco fever. and I mean, I've been sick with other stuff, so why, why not add a, a fever on top of everything else? But um, just with everything Joe has been able to do uh, over these first three games, I know he did not win the, the one against the Rams, but I tell you what, it's nice to have this sort of uh, quarterback play. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I had an analogy earlier pop in my head um, that's kind of baseball-related. You know how when teams go to throw, like, a combined no-hitter, they use, like, three or four different guys? Uh, so far, you know, the Browns' combined no-hitter is them making the playoffs. And, you know, we've had, you know, Deshaun Watson. We've had Dorian Thompson-Robinson. We've had P.J. Walker as a quarterback. Now we have Joe Flacco. 
And, you know, Joe's coming in here to finish the job and hopefully get us to the playoffs. Uh, that would be, you know, their combined no-hitter. And I tell you what, uh, he, over these last few weeks, and, and especially today, there's no doubt that uh, he's going to get us there. I li- I really love that analogy. Now that uh, I hadn't heard that, but that is a pretty good one. So yeah, I think that's actually a good comparison. Uh, you've had the combined no hitter. Fortunately, you know our baseball team's been on it the, the, a few times on the on the wrong side. But yeah, the way that they've done it with four different starting quarterbacks, with all the injuries that have happened, a combi- the the comparison to a combined no hitter would be the Browns going to the playoffs with four different starting quarterbacks, each one of them winning. And and Joe Flacco being so so to speak the closer to finish the job. It's it's been quite remarkable what he's done here these last couple of weeks. It, it sure has, and hopefully, uh, you know, he'll continue winning some more games for us uh, as we head into later. You know, these last couple of weeks in December and, and into January, and and maybe beyond. You never know. Um, speaking of which, let's take a look at the playoff picture uh, as it stands right now. Um, Baltimore is up three, nothing on the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, on Sunday night football. But, uh, right now the Browns are sitting fifth in the AFC, uh, in a wild card spot sitting at nine and five. Um, you know, if Jacksonville does win this game, the Browns will be one game out of the division, uh, leader, uh, race, uh, with the chance to win the AFC North. Um, so hopefully Jacksonville is able to pull out, pull it out tonight. But right now, Browns are fifth. The Cincinnati Bengals are six, eight and six. Uh, you know, they've won a couple in a row after losing Joe Burrow. The Indianapolis Colts are eight and six. The Houston Texans are eight and six. The Buffalo Bills are eight and six. Pittsburgh Steelers are seven and seven. The Denver Broncos are seven and seven. So a lot of teams here, Jack, within a few games of each other for those three wild card spots. Um, you know, that final game against Cincinnati could really mean something to both teams. Uh, based on where they are right now. Uh, but, you know, looking ahead, Jack, next week against the Houston Texans, it is an extremely important matchup for the Browns to win because, um, you know, if Houston wins that game, they'll they'll have the tiebreaker over the Browns if they finish with the same record. And, you know, Denver can throw a, a wrench into things too since they have the tiebreaker. I know they're sitting two games back of the Browns right now, but uh, they own the tiebreaker. Uh, at the moment so with the way things are looking I know we take it one one day at a time one game at a time and that's you know Stefanski's motto Um, but you can't help but look ahead Uh, but next week against the Houston Texans that might be the most important game of the Brown season yeah it's definitely going to be important Um, I feel like there is a scenario where they win they clinch Um, obviously things are going to have to happen behind them um, you have Cincinnati and Pittsburgh playing on Saturday, uh, Buffalo and the Chargers playing on Saturday. That's going to be interesting because it's the Chargers' first game uh, with a new head coach because they fired Brandon Staley after that debacle on Thursday night. Um, you know, you have Indy playing Atlanta, and then you have Denver and New England on Christmas Eve night. So those are some the pivotal games to watch. Obviously, you know, Pittsburgh lost to Indy. Um, so that kind of puts them on the back burner of the AFC playoff race. Uh, obviously, the Browns own the tiebreakers right now over the Bengals and Colts. So I think regardless if they lose to Houston, Anthony, they're still in it. 
Like, obviously, Houston will jump up, but the Browns are still going to be like five or six at worst after Sunday. But you, you want to go out there and win. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Houston because CJ Stroud is still technically a concussion protocol. Nico Collins missed this past week. They still won with former Browns quarterback Case Keenum uh, leading them to an overtime victory. Um, but yeah, it's still pivotal. Like the Browns still need to go out there and take care of business here down the stretch. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a, a very important game. It's going to be a crucial one. It's going to be in Houston in the, in the uh, enclosed stadium. That crowd should be loud, especially if CJ's back out there on the field. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be like a playoff game. You know, obviously the Browns are banged up. Uh, they have struggled on the road a lot this year. Um, but you know, they got to bring the intensity that they have at Cleveland Brown stadium with them on the road. And they got to come out and send a message early on. They did that in the Rams game. Just things kind of fell apart after that. So hopefully, you know, the offense will be ready. Hopefully the defense can get healthy. can get Thornhill back. Anthony Walker back because it's going to be a pivotal matchup going up against uh, that Texas team that has really surprised a lot of people this year. D'Amico Ryan's obviously one of the front runners for coach of the year. Uh, it's going to be a big time matchup, but obviously we're going to be watching the scoreboard of the other games on Saturday and Sunday as well. Um, okay. So we'll wrap things up. Um, you know, we'll, Thank you all for listening to us. Uh, we will be back later this week, hopefully to preview the Texans game, get a clear message of who's out there uh, on the injury report, who's not going to be out there uh, for both teams, what's going to be a pivotal playoff matchup, uh, pre or potential playoff preview, a potential. Uh, it's a big time playoff uh, stakes matchup between the two teams. So we will be back to preview it and break it all down for you guys. In the meantime, go back and listen to our archive wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on all our social media platforms at The Dogland, uh, at Anthony Jokey, and at Jack McCurry08. Until next time, Browns fans, as we get on out of here, thanks for listening. And as always, go Browns. <laughs>